for clocking in to Becoming a Better Nurse podcast. I'm Rebecca. And Aaron. Together, we like to offer ideas, conversations, and solutions to help educate, elevate, and empower nurses. So we just finished watching Dope Sick, and it took us, what, a month to watch? Several months to watch. Yeah, about six weeks. Six weeks, because this show was rough. I mean, um, if you're in the healthcare profession, you're going to totally relate to the show because there's a lot of things that happen that bring you back to the bedside, a lot of withdrawal symptoms, a lot of issues with patients trying to get over drugs and medication, and this stuff was real. It really did happen. So we're going to give you our full impression of what we thought and then go into more details. But just right off the back, this show is amazing. Very good show. We recommend it. To, we recommend it to all healthcare professionals that are still working, retired. It's just a great show. It was fantastic, from the ups and the downs to the character development of some of the characters to the character development development that didn't happen. It was still even frustrating. So that was based on a book that was written on a real life event that happened in the '90s, and it's based on true life events. Some of the characters in the show are in a, a conglomeration of people that like generally what happened to them and it's based in the area general area of the country that it was first introduced and targeted and this drug was oxycontin and it's um, based on the Sackler family for Purdue Pharma those are all true people and this is a true event and that's what really caught my attention initially as well it is a mixture of different uh, characters some are real some aren't real but some of these characters were made to be symbolic so to go into the story and just to not to just to uh, briefly summarize it it's about like she said the Sackler family they create this drug called oxycontin and their shtick is hey you know what let's make a medication that's going to help people with pain and say that this this medication doesn't really cause addiction so that was their whole shtick and they got the FDA to approve of that so they were basically all over the market hardcore promoting this drug they got doctors to to prescribe it they got salesmen to push for the drug to to um to, to for physicians to buy and there was these crazy bonus packages all of a sudden you start seeing people use it more and more to the point where this farmer's like well, Purdue's like well you know what now we need to increase the dosages tailor make it, make it for different patients and now um, what ends up happening is that you start seeing these crime rates go, go up people start stealing pharmaceutical companies for this drug and it's just like a huge wave of crime and addiction from this medication Dr. Sackler is the person in charge of this drug from the Purdue Pharma company. It's family owned. They start they start um, to devise this drug because they want to quote unquote treat moderate pain, and they want a drug that's going to be widely widely prescribed. And so you find out that they get this um, fairly addictive drug that's an opioid, and they get the FDA to get a label on it that says it's rarely addictive. They you find out that they use studies that weren't really proved and they find crooked FDA agents to falsify charts and to approve falsified statements. And so that's how this drug gets out there on the market and that's why these doctors feel it's safe to prescribe because in the in the time and I remember this doctors were really afraid to order 
opioids. And I think that's what caught my attention, how earnest this show was. I remember it was hard to get a pain medicine ordered for a patient. They had to be cancer. They had to be really in pain. They had to be post-surgical. And to get this drug, get an opioid prescribed for moderate pain, quote unquote, a headache or a backache of some sort was very rare. So this company made millions, billions off this label and off this crooked agents and they push this drug through their reps with these falsified statements and it goes nationwide, international and you get more and more aggravated because they are in everything. They start making pain control clinics. They start promoting pain as the fifth vital sign. They start promoting breakthrough pain phrases. They're giving bonuses to pharmacies who prescribe it or who um, dose it out. They give bonuses to doctors who prescribe. The more they prescribe, the more they got. It was horrible. And they're so corrupt, this family, because as mentioned, they basically buy these agents and then what ended up happening is the head guy for the FDA approved this medication with this specific label and then later he quit to work for that same company for Purdue. And so you can see how crooked it is. They end up having politicians in their in their payroll. They end up buying, I mean, they even have Rudy Giuliani in there at one point and he's promoting the drug because Purdue paid him to be a part of the legal team so this basically this is a wealthy family and who has a lot of money and what what do wealthy families who have a lot of money want to have power do they use that money to manipulate things around them because that's the that's what they got they got so much money of it but they could just throw it away to silence people to to increase their sales to to buy power political power and all in all they masked themselves as, as this philanthropist they give out money to different organizations so they appear to be good towards the end you find out that they were the cause and of all these issues and people start taking other philanthropy signs because they were just totally against it. They even show a clip of the riots in 2019 where people were against the Sackler family for bringing this this chaos into the communities. They knowingly and willingly lied about this drug and its addictive properties and how they can be the pills can be manipulated and how strong the drugs were and then when patients were given the drug and tried to come off they actually double downed got doctors to say that their withdrawal symptoms weren't withdrawal symptoms because this isn't an opioid that you can withdraw from this was just their pain symptoms not being treated and you needed to double their dose or triple their dose and they got away with this for Years. Yeah, there was so much bullshit and corruption with it. But that's the general take of this story. I think we should go into some detail and then at, at the end give us give you guys our our la- our rating of this show. But but before we start that, we definitely highly recommend you watch this if you're a part of the healthcare community. Um, it's it's amazing. You want to start? Yeah, you you um, learn from the Sackler family that this drug and where it's coming from, and that's how the show starts. You also learn the area that they're targeting, which is the Appalachian area, um, Virginia, West Virginia, Tennessee, places that are high injury areas and pay- people who trust their doctors. Also, 
you might you might assume that they assumed that they're not going to do a lot of research about drugs there. They're just going to take your word for it. So they target these areas. Maine was a big one, and um, they labor too. Yeah, the high labor areas with like their miners and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they like get that. injured on the job, so that's what they were targeting. Is where people are going to get injured on the job, and they can use this drug. And you meet Doctor Phoenix, played by Michael Keaton, and he becomes he's a small town um, doctor. Was he real? I think he is a fake. Doctor Phoenix is a fake character, but he's based he they base him on a lot of doctors and their experiences that happened with um, this drug and the pharmaceutical reps and the patients in the community. So he's a phenomenal in this character role. And it's just, he has such highs and lows. You just root for him the whole time. And he basically is just like anyone you would think he's skeptical about the drug he's skeptical what the reps are saying he's like no way i'm not ordering opioid for moderate pain no 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 i'll start with what we normally start you start with tylenol if that doesn't work you start with tramadol then you go to let's say vicodin you you don't start with the heavy guns right away he's like no he's like every other doctor that did that and these reps were relentless and they kept coming they kept coming they'd find out little things about him about his um family or about his studies or about what he liked you know fishing and all these other things and they would get you personally and they'd get you to trust the reps would get him to be trust trust them and it was just it was just um relentless pursuit of getting those prescriptions ordered so that's what that's what the Sackler family was trying to do that's what the pharmaceutical reps were trying to do was to get these drugs prescribed and then they knew that once they were prescribed it was no holds barred yeah, and he so he represents all the physicians, and you can see him have really good relationship with his patients. I mean, he also like he he grew up with these people in the community. At one point, he talks about how he gave birth or delivered uh, some of these patients who are now addicts later on. Um, he also he he was very hesitant. I mean, he did prescribe it and see some results, but he was still hesitant to prescribe it. It wasn't until they took him to this conference, they persuaded him, and he finally gave in. The the one bad thing with with this character is that he ends up actually using the medication because he gets hurt in an automobile accident, and they immediately prescribe him oxycontin, and from there he's hooked. So half of the show he's trying to uh, basically uh, find himself again, try to get himself off this medication. He goes into the different clinics. He goes into rehab several times. Eventually, he ends up getting hooked, not hooked on methadone, but basically he transfers to methadone so he can get off this medication. And then from there, he gets into Suboxone. But realizing after so, after trying so many different things, he realizes that the best, probably the best way to go about this is not only to take a medical a medical approach with medication, Suboxone, Methadone, but also seeking therapy. So he meets his doctor that kind of gives him therapy and also prescribes him medication so he can get off the drugs. But he was a fantastic character. He's probably the best character in the series. His role, I think, was to show you a route of recovery for patients and addicts. He was an educated man. He was an older gentleman. He wasn't prone to addiction, and it showed you that this drug affects everybody. He ended up. Um, he ended up losing his medical license and he ended up leaving the town because he was he had such shame for what he had done that it was a it was a theme of a lot of the recovery um, 
addicts was that they felt shamed and he was going to try and beat that shame and try to help everyone as possible. Once he found his way to recovery, he was on the road to helping as many people as he could himself. He ended up opening a clinic. I think it was a nonprofit at the end. And so he does have a good a good story. And speaking of theme, the whole theme is very gloomy, very sad. There's a lot of blue tones, blue imaging, a lot of wintry themes, and the music itself is also very sad and somber, so it's just a very depressing show. Yeah, and even I mean, when it was a sunny day, it wasn't bright. <laughs> yeah, and, and the show was hard to watch. I mean, we'd come home and say, I don't, I don't know, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but we would, uh, we watch a show and then it would be stressful, and, and we couldn't binge it because it, it'd feel like you, would re, you were reliving work. You just got off of work and you want to relax. You don't watch this show, <laughs> so it took us a long time to finish this series because it was just a lot of stuff that that brought us back to our bedside oh yeah I you know some of the episodes were roughly an hour and I just felt like it was the longest hour of the whole night so some days were just so sad and so frustrating and I kept waiting for the good guys to win it was really hard because you google everything and you're like yeah. okay 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 you know trying to it was very relatable to Dr. This Death blow. Very relatable to Dr. Death, but I can I can manage watching Dr. Death a little bit more. This one was harder to watch because it was just so much more encompassing. Dr. Death was related to one person in one hospital. This was like the entire nation in a pandemic of, of opioid crisis. It was ridiculous. Yeah, there's another character Dr. Phoenix inter- intertwines with, and her name is Betsy. He becomes she's one of the prescribed the patients that he prescribes the med to, and her her story was a little bit more sum. She's a sadder. She's a symbolism of an addict that you know can't just, get past it. Yeah, she so the whole entire series. Well, she's a, she's a miner. She's young. Um, she, she she ends up getting into an accident in the mining mining area she ends up being a lesbian too we find out she's a lesbian and she's, she's got, got a lot of personal struggles personal struggles her family her mom and dad are christians and she's struggling with this addiction she gets hooked on it immediately and the entire show she's trying to get off of it trying to steals from her mom pawns off her jewelry um, ends up finding forgiveness from her parents uh, it's just all over the place and then at the end she gets she's trying to withdraw from it gets hooked on heroin she's trying all these things and then towards the end where Dr. Phoenix decides hey you know I have I, I've actually found success with what I'm doing I want to take you to this place right before um, he he decides to take her she ends up overdosing on heroin and she ends up dying and I think that was one scene that was like really Impa- like really emotionally impactful because like you know she's gonna die you're like oh when yeah, she when she ah she's gonna die no big deal we yet. knew her character we know she's was. yeah she's going this way and then and then you know she's like oh I'm gonna get one more hit before I actually go to recover and you're like okay this is where she dies and so you're expecting her to die but even that scene where the the sh- the, the police guy comes over and tells like it was just heart wrenching to watch because like you knew it was coming he tells her mother. Uh, so I, the directors do a really good job with like kind of pacing of her and kind of letting you know. They basically make you suffer with her. I think that was her impression. It's like, hey, you know what? This patient's suffering. They're withdrawing. We're going to make the watchers feel her pain and just the agony and just just watch it was just terrible because she gets off the drug twice and then she goes to heroin and gets off heroin twice and you think and dr phoenix he's like i'm gonna get you to this clinic and he's gonna drive her and she's excited and she wants to get better and she has this one sad blow to her ego you know an old girlfriend can't um is moved on from her and that's all it took and she goes right back to heroin and she dies and you just feel so 
you just feel so sad because you know it's happening, you see it, and you know that story because you've seen it in other patients. You have to, and you have to understand really, addiction's terrible, and like even in the healthcare field, these some of these people who are who are addicts, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pain pills, whether it's even other things, it doesn't even have to be drugs. It's it's all coping issues. They're not able to cope well with it and or they got in with the bad crowd and it's it sucks it's hard it's it's not easy and you you see it in her in her acting she did a really good job acting this 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 rollout it was fantastic i think all the characters were really well um well picked for their roles what is that um the word they use casted casted they were well casted and during all of this crisis during all this frustration during all this anger you feel with all these um these these topics being brought out you see these heroes come out come out they're the district attorneys that are brought that that brought to attention what's going on with this opioid crisis because what happens is a lot of crime starts rising and there's a district attorney and there's a DEA agent that notices it because they're on the ground she's on the ground she sees it happening and she brings attention to it and then these district attorneys get on her side and they're going to try and fight what's going on they first have to get an idea of what's going on, what's causing all this crime, what's causing all this drug-related um, crime, why are these young kids are getting this, op- you know, this prescription drug. It's just they have to get a grip of it, and then once they figure it out, you at least have someone to cheer for. These heroes that are fighting and they're non-corruptible, and they really have a passion for getting these people f- saved. And the Sacklers take. Um, responsibility for their lies and their deceit. Yeah, so they're the protagonists of the story. It's a DEA agent, and she's she's kind of a hothead, but she does get the ball rolling. And the eight and the lawyers with uh, I think their boss. I think he works. He's a secretary of. Uh, no, he was just um, a federal district attorney. Yeah, so they build up this case, and they they have like a pretty good case of fraud and lying to Congress and all these things. They they catch the the they eventually these, get this information. And towards the end, they end up bringing it over to um, they do like a public shaming. But the main guy, the main lawyer, gets fired because, as you can see, everything is political. Yeah, he gets. He ended up not losing his job. Remember? Oh, because yeah. So it's so sad because they ended up. <laughs> it's crazy because they end up building this case. And it's so, it's so political that they try to stop this indictment from happening at the last minute, this plea deal. But anyways. But they're incorruptible. They know it. They're smart. They see through all the cracks. And that was why they were your heroes. They were the heroes. And they ended up earning like $600 million from the plea deal. And then after that, that first step opened up a wave of different lawsuits from different states where they where they basically uh, sued the Sackler family for like billions of dollars. You find out that the Sackler family, they're, they're made of money. They don't even go broke from all this. They paid $1.6 billion in fees and fines. And they are aren't broke just so you know they're not they're not they're still billionaires so that's what the wealthy do they hide all their assets into like these corporations in this case they they hit it all in the into purdue family which they talk about so that when you sue them you're not really suing them you're suing their company and they still keep their money so Mm -hmm. it's just ridiculous but i mean that's just how how the system works and uh people who are smart and i mean they just know how to manipulate the system which is what the sacklers did and they also manipulated how to introduce the drug saying that it's not addictive um they manipulated charts so th- their whole entire life was manipulation so that they could get money they didn't care about the american people it was all about manipulation wording um how to how to 
market the drug. They manipulated the doctors who prescribed it. They manipulated pain control clinics and what they desired, what they deemed was pain, moderate pain or extreme pain. They dictated it all, all to all to funnel back to prescribing this OxyContin. Mm-hmm. And then they, you also find that Purdue Pharma was so big and well known for buying people off that the DEA, the FDA, the um, any anyone district attorneys that that would be against them, but they were in public office. Let's say people who wanted to work for them would do them favors and would legalize something or would word something for them or would not find fault with them because they were looking to get hired by the Sackler, the Purdue Pharma, so they can make triple what they were making as a public this uh, show, servant. This show shows you how corrupt people with money can be and how corrupt get the government is and how corrupt just in general systems in the United States are because we're dealing with people and people can get bought off, you know. You're easily swayed. You can, yeah, you'll put throw in a favor for a couple million. It's not a big deal. Yeah, and you know when you're when you're watching this show, you start seeing the reps, and we were talking about corrupting, and it made me think about the fact that you're watching the reps, and you're they're starting off with this new drug. They're all new reps. They're coming in entry level, and they're just wanting to make a buck. This they have this one character. His name is Billy, and he's he was probably our least favorite character. He just was a pansy, and he, he represented what the 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 sales force of this medication. So like the sales rep. He was a bit and of a, a little bit of a moral moral dilemma. Maybe would brought, be brought up because he start struggled with selling it after a while, but it didn't stop him. But my point I was going to make was that you have a you you have a company you work for. They're telling you all this stuff. They're they're showing you all of these charts, and yet you have questions. You see something completely opposite of what the company's telling you. I would say that that's a way for you to think about how your moral where your moral compass is and you know maybe you should start asking questions maybe money isn't everything maybe you do start looking around and and see what's going on around you because you're just as culpable when you look at the big picture like that they had a rep who he that billy was dating who was complete opposite of him she's like i'm all about the money i don't care who i don't see anyone on the streets dying from it i don't see these pharmacies being being attacked i see that these pharmacists are having a security problem it's not the drug it's their problem oh it's it's i'm getting more money i'm going to be regional manager they're just as guilty as the and she was just as culpable as the as the people who were prescribed the drug i mean um i produced the i drug. think they could have done a better job with billy i mean at the end he did play a pivotal role and maybe in producing some tapes for um the, the lawyers and he also didn't he also did not sign a non-disclosure agreement which helped his case uh, but then they show him being a protection uh, consumer protection attorney and there were just a couple of things that I felt like he could I just felt like they could have used him a little bit better but he was essential at the beginning half of the uh, the show he just ended up being like a pansy I just felt like he could have done done more I feel like there was an anticlimactic role for him he he was fired. He stole tapes. He finally realized what was going on. He he knew what to do. He knew to get tapes because he knew what they were doing was wrong. He got the right training tapes and he lied about it. He was able to, he got fired. He didn't take their money. He didn't sign an NDA. You're like, yes, this is exactly what they're looking for with a person that they can go against this Purdue Pharma. And then they go to him and he's like, I'll testify. I'll do whatever. But they want the tapes. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Now, 
they could have maybe he didn't portray his fear enough as an actor. Maybe they didn't have enough dialogue or they cut the dialogue that needed to portray that he's really just afraid for his family and himself. He doesn't want to go against a big company. Well, then you should never have done an NDA and you should never have said that you wanted to testify because testifying is totally public. And so what was your fear of saying you, you had tapes or not? But I think he's even he's meant to represent someone who actually had this evidence that the district attorneys ended up getting. However, his role was actually kind of anticlimactic and bleh. Yeah. But the show was good. We highly recommend watching it. And if we had to rate the show, I would give it a 9 stars out of 10. I give it a 9.5. I was truly I was truly entertained. It was it was fantastic. It was frustrating, it was sad, it was exciting. You felt sorrow, you felt rage, you felt sadness, you felt happiness, you were like relief and yet it was just all over the place. And because I'm a nurse at bedside, I was a nurse during this time. I was a brand new nurse in 1998 and I remember these things. I remember these phrases. I remember feeling the way these doctors felt and seeing these patients become more and more addicted to drugs. Not gonna lie, it was exhausting to watch, so that's why it took us forever. But um, let us know what you guys think and shoot us a message. Watch the show, tell us what you think. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please hit the like button and subscribe. Stat. Follow us on Instagram. You can find us on Becoming a Better Nurse. Until next time.